0: welcome to the random ask podcast if you couldn't tell by the name this is a podcast where we bring on random guests we ask them random questions we try and learn a little bit we have local people that know what they're doing and are masters in their fields and we try and just have a little fun while we're trying to get a little educated i'm taj Sander a local realtor with Royal LePage Westman Realty. I meet a lot of cool people in real estate. I sell good houses, I buy good houses, Let's get into it. Today, I've got a mortgage pro, James Diamond of Ziva Mortgage, joining us today, and we're going to be talking a little bit about mortgages, money, and how to make sense of it all. Thanks for tuning in. Today on the show, we have a friend of mine coming in. He is a mortgage expert, and I've worked with them on a few deals. Uh, today we have James Diamond of Ziva Mortgage. Hey, James, how you
1: doing? Hey, Taj, doing well. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I'm excited to get going today, but uh, let's give the people a little bit of an insight of how we actually met. So I met you at an open house where you popped in That's right. and it was a pretty dead open house. And I thought, Hey, finally, I got a client. Maybe I can pick him up. <laughs> and uh, what actually happened? <laughs>
1: So I came by, I think you were doing a open house in Bachelor, if I remember yeah,
0: correctly. on Saddleback at a That's new construction, right. yeah.
1: That's right. And so, you know, I was going by um, on a Sunday, just looking to meet some new potential real estate partners. Yeah, I came by with a open house survival kit. I think there were some drinks and snacks and a couple things in there and my card. And my thought was just to stop by briefly, say hello, introduce myself in person, I think that's always best, and then just leave you with a little something so that if it was a boring open house, you had something to munch on and something to do. And, um, you know, we sort of uh, had a nice chat and and hit it off right away. And um, yeah, I guess that was it. That was a couple years ago now.
0: That was a couple of years ago. We ended up talking, I think for about 40 minutes, uh, <laughs> which was a little more time than uh, I think you had planned. But uh, I really liked what you were telling me then about mortgages, ways to invest, things like that. And that kind of piqued my interest of trying to get to my clients to work with you because of you kind of had the same vision that I would have if I was going to try and be a mortgage broker. So right. just being able to relate on that level, I was like, this would be great for the people that I'm working with. And since we've worked together on a few deals, a couple of them, <laughs> and yep. things have been good. Some
1: exciting ones too.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Super exciting. They get funner and funner as time goes on. eh? <laughs> COVID's been an interesting year. So, across the board,
1: it has changed lender appetites for market segment and for risks. So yep. we're seeing, you know, lenders have always wanted lots of documents. For instance, uh, they want everything short of a blood sample these days. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll take a mouth swab while we're doing the application, and really for the most part, COVID has actually enhanced uh, the due diligence they're doing in the risk assessment. So we need documents more than ever. Uh, lenders are more thorough than they were previously. There was an expectation among, you know, certainly some clients that with COVID lenders would back off and be more reasonable in their approach. For the most part, the opposite has happened. They're, they're yeah. considerably more thorough and the process is slower and more rigorous. So it, it's affected turnaround times that is mm. for certain but it hasn't made the process easier. And that's one more reason that a mortgage broker is more important than ever, I believe, for a good client experience, because it's not just a matter of giving them a pay stub and, you know, your property tax assessment. They want a lot of documents. They want them to be presented in the best way. How your file is positioned really makes a difference as to whether it will be approved and what your approval may look like. So everybody's first stop in the process, should be to get their financial house in order and should be to a mortgage broker.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. How soon do you think it's going to be uh until we need uh covid tests as part of the <laughs> mortgage application?
1: <laughs> well, yeah. hopefully it doesn't get to that, though certainly that would um some parties would would like that. It has, you know, as you mentioned, it has accelerated the transition to a remote Um, application taking, and and even document fulfillment. So the one benefit has been that some lenders that were real sticklers about signing in person, for instance, almost universally will now accept electronic signatures, which just brings us up into the digital era anyways. Other industries have been doing digital signatures for decades. Uh, Real estate's been doing them for at least 10 years. But on the lending side, for the most part, particularly with banks, um, we were barred from doing so. And now even the big banks, they say temporarily, will take a uh, digital signature. So it has made the process fully remote for client. Clients still need to be in the country and they still need to be in the province for the most part because we're licensed provincially, but uh, that's a net benefit that's come out of this process that we'll no longer have to do a document signing in person. For the most part, they still have to sign with a lawyer's office in person. Um, But there has been considerations for COVID for those who might be uh, particularly vulnerable to infection. And they sort of do it um, in a uh, a sanitized environment, I suppose.
0: Yeah, that's good, though. Um, I guess, yeah, it's a lot of changes. But, you know, you've been in the industry a while. So you've seen a lot of changes throughout your tenure. How would you get started in mortgages? Great
1: question. So I have been in the financial services realm for a long time now more than a decade. I started out doing the insurance investment side of things uh, in the banking world and then transitioned onto the other side of the balance sheet, as they say. So I I entirely do lending now. I worked for TD and Scotia Bank, and I did a small business and commercial there for a number of years at each institution. And I really reached a point where I realized that there are some great people uh, who work directly for a lender and for those institutions. But it is hard to truly say you work for your client first and foremost, and that that is the most important when you have an employer who you have a a duty to make money.
0: So like the bank. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so there's some great people at banks. I use bank partners all the time. I place client mortgages at banks, but one of the huge advantage, advantages of, of a mortgage broker like myself is the fact that I have access to more than 60 lenders. So rather than having to tell a client, well, golly gee, this is what, uh, you know, Royal Bank is offering right now. It's a good mortgage. Would you like to take it? Which is essentially what it boils down to. We will find the the best mortgage possible for the client, wherever that may be. And so I can truly say it's a client first model. My duty of care is to the client. I'm working for the client. I don't have a boss who's going to ask me how much money I made for the bank that quarter, yeah. or base my bonus on how much money I made for them. Um, and so that is what transitioned me into the the broker space that I wanted to work with my clients, you know, be my own boss, but work with my clients and know that I had found them the best mortgage possible.
0: That's awesome. One of the things I noticed too, is working in real estate, that a lot of times when people go to banks, they actually don't even see like their mobile mortgage specialists or their mortgage specialists for the or the mortgage, they kind of have uh, this general all-around position and FSR as opposed to you who strictly does mortgages. So I feel like you have this realm of expertise that a lot of the employees in banks, not all of them, some of them are strictly mortgages, but you kind of have an advantage over that because of your experience. Are there any other advantages you can think of that you would probably get?
1: Yeah, and you know, I'll say that's a client advantage. So yeah. that's a that's an advantage to my clients. Um, the employees in the bank world have a lot on their shoulders. They're they're micromanaged. They yes have to do mortgages. They might also be doing credit cards. They might also do financial planning or investments. And they're busy during RSP season. And maybe they have to come out of their office to sign checks or authorize transactions at the front line. It's a lot to put on one person. And again, there's great people there, but you can't possibly be a dedicated expert when you're being required to wear all those hats. Um, I'm truly a mortgage expert and I like what I do. I like talking about mortgages. I don't do anything else. And that's a benefit to my clients when they come in because you may go into a bank and the young person there offering you a mortgage might have done a four-day online multiple choice module, you know, accreditation program within their own lending institution and they know the basics and they know how to use their software. And really that's it. And that's not a a criticism of those people. It's just that you can't possibly give the advice that clients need if that's been your exposure. So inadvertently, they might say something that isn't accurate. They might say that, well, your penalty is either going to be what's called an IRD, an interest rate differential, or just three months of interest. So don't worry. Which makes it sound like your penalty is just three months of interest but of course it's whichever is more and an interest rate differential is usually more and it can be a lot more so that's an important piece that's worth spending time on with the clients that they just might not know they might not know that their institution registers the mortgage charge as what's called a collateral charge the specifics of which i won't get into but really it just makes the client more sticky and it means it's going to cost the client about a thousand dollars extra if they want to move their mortgage somewhere else so they're good people. They're well-intentioned people. A lot of them are are really under-trained, which isn't fair to them, and certainly isn't fair to the clients. Um, you need somebody who does mortgages in and out and doesn't do anything else. It's the biggest purchase most people will make is a home or a property of some sort. I do commercial lending as well, and it's worth spending the time on. A lot of people spend more time thinking what car they're going to buy when their last car comes off lease. Yeah. Than the mortgage they're going to get, um, and that's a that's a backwards way of looking at it. I think.
0: Yeah, it's very true. And what most people in the public don't realize is that by, banks are financial s- institutions. But essentially, when you walk into a banking center, it's a retail space. They're trying to sell you something, like it, yeah. right, like they're always. That's when you go see your teller. They're trying to add something on to your to your banking plan, right? Um, and that's how most of those people get paid. Their bonuses, anyways, right?
1: Yeah. Um, and. You know, I always like to say, "I'm a salesperson too. Sometimes people in the industry will say well i'm not I don't do sales as though that's a bad thing. Yeah. providing a solution for a client that makes their lives better is an awesome thing. so there is no shame in sales if you provide the right solution for the client at the right time, you're doing them a huge favor and, and they will be loyal because of it and so i really i don't shy away from that at all i I look forward to providing clients with great mortgages and I know that if I do a great job at that and I work hard at that, that they'll be really happy that we met, happy that we sat down together. And the only reason that for some people sales has a negative connotation is because they haven't been doing it in a way that serves their client. Um, I want to mention as well, you would ask me, you know, a couple of advantages of a broker and there's a ton. Um, I touched on the fact that as a broker, I'm truly in my client's corner. I don't, have a boss or a, you know, a VP who's gonna ask me how profitable I was for the lender. So I'm a free agent in that regard. We go where's best for the client. We also have a lot more, um, you know, pitches, so to speak. We have a lot more plays in our playbook to get something done for clients. So some of the banks do really well with a really standard, you know, purchase mortgage or that sort of thing, and they offer a good product. If there's a situation that's more nuanced, or more unusual or has some extenuating factors. I have a huge toolkit with which to make that work for a client. And um, that's something that a single lender just can't offer. One lender can't offer everything. Um, That's why we go wherever that product may be. And um, so you're truly getting an independent device. And lastly, there's no cost for using a broker. 99% of the time, I'm not talking commercial because there is for commercial, but 99% of the time There's zero cost for using a mortgage broker. We are compensated by the lender just based on mortgage size, not based on profitability or rates the client pay, but just based on the size of the mortgage. So all those advantages of using a broker like myself are available without cost out of the client's pocket. It just means the lender makes less money is what it actually means. Um, Most other countries, you know, the United States and the UK and Australia, you pay a mortgage broker just like you would pay a lawyer or a realtor to sell your house. And so in Canada we just have this incredible environment where you can have all those benefits. You can even go you can even have your mortgage placed by a mortgage banker often with the bank that you do your daily banking at and there's zero cost to you. It's truly 100% upside. Every yeah. everybody should do it.
0: Yeah, I don't see I don't see any negative aspect in doing it, right? Um there's nothing really to lose. Now, I'm going to hit you with a couple couple terms that I want you to clarify, and we're going to start with one because it's one that really irritates me. Um, a lot of people will go online and get pre-qualified. Right. And what is – okay, so what's the technical difference between pre-qualification and actual pre-approval?
1: Okay. Should have a light that comes on when I've been too verbose in my answer. So I'll just switch into the next one.
0: <laughs> it's good though. I'm like, you know what? It gives me time to plan things out in my mind. I'm like, how do I go? Well, I, it's, yeah, it's working out the well. No one ever
1: accused me of not liking the sound of my own voice. So
0: it's a great voice. Thanks, buddy.
1: <laughs> I'll serenade you later. Yeah,
0: great, great voice for radio. <laughs>
1: i got a face for radio is what i've been told actually
0: both of us why do you think we're doing a podcast why,
1: <laughs> yeah why let's, we're starting with a podcast we should turn these cameras right off actually yeah um
0: um so sorry
1: you had asked about a pre-approval yeah so great question and you know i think both pre-approval and pre-qualifying are sort of misnomers but um you know the the name suggests something that that isn't accurate A pre-approval is not worth a whole lot. When you go into a bank and get a pre-approval, usually what they'll do is they'll sit down, they will, you know, ask a few details about yourself, they'll collect your social insurance number, and they'll pull a credit bureau so they can see that you have some indication of credit worthiness, and they'll ask you how much you make and maybe ask you a little bit about your daily expenses or your monthly expenses, I should say. And based on that, they'll just run it through a calculator and say, okay, sir, well, yeah, your credit looks good and uh, looks like if uh, you were to buy, we could get you a mortgage for $465,000 and uh, here's your piece of paper and your rate would be one eight nine. and congratulations, uh, you can go house shopping. I, I mean, something along those lines. That's sort of the process. And what that, the idea that that puts in the client's mind is that they're ready to buy, their approval's guaranteed. And they can buy for this amount and this is what their rate's going to be and that's just not the case no underwriting has taken place underwriting is just the process it's the name for the process of determining whether they will lend to you and you are an acceptable risk for them essentially basically um evaluating the the offer of your business that they receive when you do an yeah. application so no underwriting has taken place they essentially looked and checked that your credit score was okay And then they just used a calculator that to just determine how much you could purchase. You could go online and use a similar calculator in about 15 seconds. So it isn't worth much. And sometimes, especially with first time buyers, clients hadn't, haven't had a mortgage before they think that means they're pre-approved. You're not approved for anything. I refer to a pre-approval as a rate hold because that's really more accurately. What the lender is saying is we think. We might want to do business with you if you have an accepted offer on a property and if we decide to do business with you we'll give you this rate or better yep and that's all it means so it's it's almost it's almost like saying well we think we might want to come see us when it's time to actually
0: here's a ballpark figure and yeah. we'll let you know what the real deal is
1: and they don't look okay. at how you receive your income they don't look at If you're a part-time or casual or commission or self-employed individual, and more and more people are all the time, they don't look at whether your two or sometimes three-year income average supports that. You just come in and say, I make $100,000. Maybe you actually gross $94,000 and you're on commission and you've been in the job for 18 months and your first six months you made $30,000. And that income will be counted as zero with most lenders because you don't even have a two-year average. Yep. And even if you had a two-year average, they would take an average of those two years and your income would be somewhere in the ballpark of 60000 which is very different for approval purposes than a hundred. There's no verification of any of those claims. Um, so there are a lot of things that could influence whether someone's actually going to get approved or not. Yeah. So when I do them for a client, one, I call it a rate hole. That's what it is this lender is going to give you this rate or better but i have experienced underwriting files myself and i will ask all those questions that the lender is going to ask and i'll review their documents up front too and so when i give a client an indication that yes you can likely buy from between 450,000 and 475,000 i have already spent a few hours working on their file and eliminating all the common things that are going to lead to a decline and they probably have a 98% chance of actually getting that financing when they write an offer. That's a huge difference. I think the pre-approval that a lot of banks offer gives clients false confidence. Yeah, And it's really only designed to get the client to come back to them when they have an accepted offer and to sort of secure that business for the bank. That's what it's designed for. So if you want to know whether you can buy, And if you want to know whether you will get an approval when you have an offer, come see a mortgage broker like myself and we'll actually spend a few hours doing property diligence on your file. Again, it's not a guarantee because the property is taken into consideration. So if the property is funky or weird or has asbestos or is a remediated, you know, marijuana grow up or X, Y or Z on lease land, they might say, well, Taj, we love you as a client, but we're not going to give you a mortgage to buy that property. So they have to like you and they have to like the property as well. Someone like myself will look at all those things up front and save you from a nasty surprise when you've gotten your heart set on a particular property.
0: Yeah, since we've been working together with the recommended range that you give to our client, mutual clients, I don't think any of them have been denied on the basis of price. I think we had one... One denial where it was because of leased, uh, the, the building itself was an apartment and it was leased and the lenders just, you shopped it around everywhere and they couldn't get it done. Um,
1: well, and the interesting thing about that one, and I'll just speak in generalities, of course, because that's a that's a client. Yeah. But the interesting thing with that one is the lender had ostensibly said, yeah, you're good to go. Financing is in place. And even, even one of the the lawyers said, yeah, it should be no problem. Should be good for the client to purchase that property. And I wasn't sure that come completion, you know, come the day where they were going to actually meet with the lawyer and become owners, that everything was going to go through as the lender and lawyer had said. And so I had had a lawyer friend of mine actually review it and he shared those concerns and in the end, you and I recommended to the client that he not remove subjects and proceed on that property because we thought he might have a nasty surprise on day of closing and um, he didn't proceed on that property. And as you'll recall, it turns out he would have been declined and they wouldn't yep. have funded his purchase. And he could have been at the very least lost his deposit and maybe been sued by the selling side. So it's one more way that working with a mortgage broker, who's a true expert and a great realtor as a team, protected a client yeah if they had just walked into their bank it would have turned out very differently I yeah
0: think. that's that was huge and you know and that's the thing because because you have the familiarity of it and even still the the way that that red flag popped up for you wasn't even in instructions for you those were instructions for the lawyer that's that right you went above and beyond and you did due diligence that essentially it wasn't even yours to do
1: yeah that's true it, <laughs> yeah. my conditions you know what we had to do to um remove subjects was all done. Yeah. But it's important to think, you know, not just do our part and say, well, well I verified income and did everything I was yeah. supposed My to. My end is done. That's I right. T-
0: toss the ball over to the that's next right. guy. Yeah.
1: But to think is this actually going to complete for the client? Yeah. Because ultimately, you know, yourself and myself, we're building um a loyal client base for the yeah. long future, and so client loyalty and client experience is much more important than any single transaction. And that's just part of a true client first philosophy. And that's how I organize my business. I know that's your ideology as well.
0: I think that's why we clicked so much is because your your philosophy of how you want to treat your clients, and how you put your clients first is exactly the way I feel about my clients in real estate, like how your how you prioritize their needs is Essentially, exactly what I'm doing in my job, right? I want to make sure that the client is taken care of first before anything else. Their needs are always first, right? And Absolutely. through our experiences, I've saw I've seen that in you, and I can identify that. You're always there. They can get a hold of you easy. If they can't get a hold of you, you get back to them right away, which is clutch. Um, one thing I want to go back to really quick too is talking about the pre approvals and the pre qualification. I've had clients where they get pre-approved for a certain uh, price point or while they get the pre-approval from a bank for a certain price point and they think like, oh, I can spend 700 grand. But one of the funny things that clients will do is they don't really think about the changes in their lives that are going to be happening in the next few years. Now, in my age group, around 30, you see people establishing families, you know? So I had actually really good friends of mine. They were buying a house and they were, let's use the $700,000 number. They were approved for 700 grand. So they start looking at prices uh, of houses in that price point, And that's kind of the upper end of their budget, right? right? So they start thinking, well, we can afford this house and we can afford that house. And I actually had to sit down with them and be like, you know what? Well, you guys are going to have, a kid in the next 12 months, well, first thing is they want to get a house and then they have a kid, mm-hmm. probably another kid after that. Then they're going to need a minivan. Right? You know how it is. <laughs> Nothing wrong with a
1: minivan. Honda Odyssey is a fantastic vehicle. One of the best I've ever owned. There's no shame in a minivan at oh, all.
0: On a complete side note, a Honda Odyssey is like one of my top five vehicles ever. I love them. They're I, great
1: drivers. It feels like a sedan. Yeah. I've I've owned two of them now. Uh, we love our Odyssey. Love oh, it.
0: They're, they're incredible. But- the thing is, is buyers got to take a step back and look at what are the future costs going to be. Don't max yourself out on your mortgage, like that's right. Because just because the bank is telling you that's what you can likely get approved for, it doesn't essentially mean that that's what you will be able to afford.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. And that is true. I, that comes down to everybody's personal tolerance for how tight they want their budget to be. I suppose, and that varies person to person. One of the very few um, benefits to the federal government changing mortgage lending rules very significantly in the last four or five years is that all lenders are now required to use a qualifying rate. Um, Essentially, they have to base all the calculations on a, on a placeholder interest rate that is higher than the interest rate you're actually receiving on your mortgage. Yeah. So right now we do all our calculations on 4.79%, which is not an interest rate that almost anybody is paying. Most people are paying almost 3% less than that. Yeah. Um and so most people's affordability now does Cap out according to that formula before they would probably feel tightness in their own personal budget. But which is one of the only good things. Uh, The mortgage landscape has changed so much in the last five years. It's it's changed more in the last five years than it did in the 20 years prior to that. Yeah. Um, That's about one of the only upsides. At the same time, yeah, you got to live and you don't want to be house rich and cash poor. Yeah. So there's certainly a balance to that. A great way to help out with that, in my opinion, is a basement suite. You can find a place that's suited or with suite potential that will not only increase your max purchase price if you choose to go up to it, but it will also provide you a lot of relief in your monthly budget. Um, I have a client who they purchased their property for about $500,000. It had a suite already ready to go. The family was upstairs, the suite was down their mortgage payment was about $2,000 a month, and they earned $1,100 from their suite. So that right there just halved their shelter payment. The
0: rental income that you can generate from a suite in Kamloops is absolutely incredible. And it's one of the things that, it's a little bit harder to come by because a lot of people are starting to need that suite- go quick. income right quick. Yep. To qualify, right? Um, but for a lot of my clients, I kind of try and push them either to maybe even put a suite in and have mm-hmm. it roughed in or put one in and get a house with a suite. Because it's not only about try getting that revenue flowing from the get-go, but if there ever are times like throughout, you know, who knows, you might lose your job, get laid off or whatever, mm-hmm. you can supplement your income. And like you said, if you have a $2,000 mortgage and you're able to pump out 1200 bucks from a suite, like you're only, you're, you're eliminating uh 60% of your, 60% of your mortgage cost. Right. So.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And of course there is a cost, I suppose, to having a rental in your property. It's a little bit of work. You have to put up with another person on site, but in my opinion, that's a small price to pay for the upside, particularly in the first five years. Uh, in our first house, we had a tenant for the first four years and it just built our equity position so much faster because that was a lot of money going to paying down our own mortgage. Yep. And then, you know, for the next house after that, we had, we owned a lot more of our current home. So it made the down payment for the next house that much easier. Nice. So if both, you know, if both husband and wife are on board, then the sweet thing can work out really well. It also adds value to your property as you know. Um, simply from a financing perspective, if there's a property that costs $500,000, and another one just like it that has a suite—it's selling for more than five hundred thousand um, dollars. Not only because of the income it provides, but also, you might have a client who can only afford four hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars, but with a suited property, they could get a mortgage approval for five twenty-five, and buy in a completely different class of property—you know, one that they sort of vision as being a family home. Yeah, and so it. it if it's done correctly it directly adds value to your property in my opinion it is a fantastic way to go it's a great opportunity right now in western canada i don't know if it will always be that way certainly these rental rates are are way higher than we ever saw in the past so if people are able to seize that opportunity now they will be really happy they did in the future
0: yeah and i think this kind of is a good segue into one of the things that you and I both, well, this was the first time we met, we started talking about this, was how can people work towards getting uh, a real estate portfolio essentially under their belt, right? Right. And we didn't really, I don't know if you remember the conversation. Oh, I remember. Yeah. I remember, absolutely. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I want to tell my clients. And I try and pitch my clients to do. And this is why when a lot of uh, people that I work with, when they're looking at homes, I'm like, man, you want a suite in there? because the way that I look at it is if you buy a house now and you have a suite in it, you build equity in it. I essentially I'd make more money. If you sell it, that'd be great. I get the commission, but I try and tell all my guys, you know, what, keep that place, use your equity in it to fund the purchase of your next home. Right. Especially now the way rates are, how can, how can current homeowners kind of build equity and make a move like that?
1: Great question. So, That's probably a podcast in and of itself, but I'll, but I'll speak to it briefly. Um, and it's not, it's not a strategy for everyone, but it's a really good strategy for a lot of people and it's not hard. And what I mean by that, it's not technically difficult. It's available to anyone who's willing to, you know, take the steps to do it essentially, and you know, rates are the lowest they've ever been since we've been keeping track. Since the end of World War II, these these are the lowest interest rates we've ever seen. They won't stay this low because there are other economic fundamentals that essentially, if rates stay this low for a long time, economically speaking, we're probably all in trouble. Yeah. So they will return to normalcy at some point is my guess. Um, but with rates as low as they are and with the kind of price appreciation we've seen in properties all across Canada, but particularly in the interior of BC, you know, where we live and work, it is such a good opportunity to build net worth and eventually, you know, positive cash flow producing properties um, where the, the money you make every month from rent is more than what you're spending to maintain the property and pay the mortgage. So I have done the calculation on what the average detached home what the average price appreciation has been on a detached home, so a regular house, as people think about it, in Kamloops since 1982, and and I looked at actual documents down at um, the real estate board, so yep. it's based all in the Kamloops area, and the average increase year over year, when averaged over that period, was 7.1 percent, yep, in value per year. Now it doesn't go up 7 percent every year, obviously. Some years it went up 15, and some years it went down 10, but for the most part it has been a very aggressive trend up for near 40 years.
0: I want to make a point too that when you're purchasing a house as opposed to, you know, uh, stocks or whatever, mm-hmm. um this is kind of inflation related. So if inflation goes up, your house prices go up too. Right. So you're you're safe on that end too. You're not losing money to inflation. And since 1982, inflation's been also like That's crazy. Right. So you're protected in that end.
1: That's and you know it's it's a physical asset too. Yep. So owning Shares on paper somewhere is great, works great for some people. A lot of people like the idea of I own something I can see and and feel and the property I can stand on if I want to. And heck, you know what? I can live there if I need to. People need a place to live. Yeah. And that's one of the drivers of the great rental market we have in the Camloops area. And um, anyways, because we've seen that crazy price appreciation, even if a, a buyer purchases with just 5% down, which is the minimum, as you know.
0: For and a principal residence.
1: That's correct. Yeah. For principal residence. And yes, good clarification. <laughs> yeah. um, so a home they're going to live in, they purchase with 5% down minimum. They'll pay an insurance fee to the Canadian Mortgage Housing Corporation or one of its competitors of 4%. So on the very first day of ownership, you own just over 1% of your home because the 4% is based on mortgage size, not on house purchase price. So just over 1% of your home. So not a great equity position as they would say, but with a combination of ultra low rates, two thirds, two thirds of your payments in the first five years are reducing the mortgage balance, what they call principal. And only one third is going to interest. That might sound like a lot, that's on a 25 year amortization that might sound like a lot, that's the best it's ever been ever by far. Yeah. Three or four years ago, we were really happy because clients were getting 25 year amortizations where in the first five years, half of their payments went to interest. And at the time we accurately said, oh, that's the best it's ever been. Yeah. When our parents got their first mortgages, probably 90% <laughs> yeah. of yeah. the first five years was going in interest. So you can buy your home with 5% down. And by the end of those five years, if it's gone up in value at approximately 7%, which is not guaranteed, obviously, Yeah, it's. Um, yeah. and you've paid down two-thirds of the payments you've made towards your mortgage have been reducing the balance that you owe, you might have a 30 or 35% equity position. That is, you own 30 or 35% of the house compared to the mortgage you have, and you can refinance some of that equity out up to a mortgage of 80% of the value of the home and take that money and buy another home or buy a rental property with it. Yeah. And so once you get the ball rolling, I've got a strategy for this and, and I get into the details a little more technically, but it's available to most people. As long as you're working, have a good job, keep your credit clean and you don't buy new vehicles constantly, yeah, then... Yeah. Um, You know, every three years, there's no reason why you couldn't get into a rental property. And once you have a few, it it accelerates and gets quicker than that.
0: Yeah, because you have more cash flow coming in. That's right. Also, the market appreciation that you get off each property. That's right. right? So you're able to capitalize on all of those.
1: That's right. Now, you have to do it smart, of course, but I have clients who in five years have acquired three rental properties. And it is absolutely doable. And then when they retire one day... You know, their portfolio of properties will be worth in the millions yep. and they won't be hoping that, you know, CPP or old age security is around to take care of them when they're older or more to the point, if they have a large family like I do, I have five yeah. kids, <laughs> yeah. then I think to myself with prices going the way they're growing, going, how are my kids all going to be homeowners like I was Yeah, when they're because when they're grown because houses might be so expensive, it won't be realistic for the average working Canadian to afford one. No. So if I am smart now, maybe I'll have five rental properties that I can then sell back to each of my children, hold the mortgage myself. They'll make po- payments to me, but at least make it affordable for them and their spouse to get into a home. And so they can have a home of their own. And that would be a great thing for a parent to be able to do for his
0: children. I think we're going to have to maybe do a video or something on that and just try and break it down and explain it to people because there are limiting beliefs that clients have about real estate and they see these big numbers of the prices and costs of a home and they don't have the financial intelligence like you do, or like when you go to a bank, they're not going to break it down for you like that. Right? Right. They're just going to say yes or no. Here's what you can do, blah, 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 whatever. Um, So being able to have someone who's able to show you ways that you're able to build wealth and as a real estate professional or as a mortgage professional is absolutely crucial. One of another thing people don't realize is they can actually maximize uh, these. Well, they can take advantage of these rates right now by not even trying to purchase a home. Like there's the option of current homeowners just refinancing. How would they go about that?
1: Absolutely. So that's a great strategy. Right now, again, as we said, rates are are crazy low, you know, uh, refinance would likely be somewhere at about 2%, maybe just above, maybe below, depending on the client file. Sometimes refinances are a little higher in interest rate than a straight purchase. Um, But that's the cheapest way to borrow money out of real estate ever. There are a lot of things you can do with um, money that gives you a greater return than the cost of 2% a year. So it's so cheap to borrow. And even if, you know, you're a client with a mortgage at 379 or 389 fixed, and you might be looking at a larger penalty, if you break from your current lender rates are so low right now that usually it's going to make sense to sit down with me and I'll calculate exactly how much money you'll save. If we break your mortgage now, and we refinance you into something at a much lower rate. And if you have room in your home, we might even be able to pay that penalty straight from the equity in your home. So you'll save interest over the next five years and you paid nothing out of pocket. So it's just, it's win-win across the board. Or you may have to pay a little bit of penalty out of pocket, but you might save $20,000 over the next five years in interest and a smaller payment every month. So that's cash you can use for something else, whatever can go to a different area of the household budget. It is a great time to refinance. I'm doing 75% refinances right now compared to purchases.
0: It's a really great time to refinance and put that suite in your house.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you could use it for that purpose if you wanted to. Exactly. Um, It's a really great, it's a really great time. I've had a lot of clients uh, look into refinances and a lot of clients end up doing refinances because it's, it's an easy proposal we will run the numbers, you are either going to save money compared to the contracted rate you have now, or you won't save money. And if you don't save money, no problem. It took an hour of your time to look into that possibility and no harm done. And if you can save money, often the money you save might be thousands easily into the tens of thousands, not for everybody, but depending on the mortgage. Yeah. So is it worth an hour of your time to see if you might save fifteen dollars to $20,000 on your mortgage payments? I think so.
0: Yeah, definitely is. Definitely is. Well, that's a lot about mortgages. Yeah, but... so, you know, I like to talk
1: about them. As I said, I like mortgages. I like doing that. Yeah, I like going into those details for clients. Clients don't have to fully understand it all. They don't have to be experts. Um, that's no one, why they have you. That's right. No yeah. one can be an expert on everything. I'm yeah. not an expert about doing renos at my house. I have a friend who does that for a living who comes to help me. I'm not an expert with um, equity investments. I'm not even an expert on purchasing real estate. That's why I depend on a realtor such as yourself. I'm an expert at mortgages only. I like it. The clients don't have to fully understand it. We can understand it for them and explain it in a way that makes sense to them.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, Well, Outside of work, I mean, it seems like that's all you think about. <laughs> but sound outside, like my wife. Outside of mortgages, what uh, what are you into? What do, what is James Diamond about? Well, I have five
1: little ones. Yeah, uh, ten. Which nine. is a
0: job in itself. So you you definitely oh, be yeah. working two gigs.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and and you know, my wife is a champ. So she yeah. she does the bulk of the heavy lifting there. It wouldn't be possible for me to do it. I do and have any level of success if she wasn't um, you know, so great with the kids and all the work she does at home. So I have to give props to her, but, um, I have five kids, uh, 10, nine, my little girl's going to be seven in the spring. Our little boy is, well, he's going to be three in December. So just a couple of weeks away in December, he'll be three. And we have a six month old boy. He was six months, months old, three days ago. So wow. it's uh, quite the gamut, quite the spread. Uh, we've been in, you know, Semi permanently in the diaper stage for it feels like ten <laughs> years now, so it'll be nice to see the end of that. Yeah. But that keeps me pretty busy. Yeah. So there's a lot going on at home, and um, I don't get as much time out to do non-work, non-home things as maybe I once did. But it's it's awesome. It's never yeah. been better. As far as what I do like to do when I'm not working, I'm not with the kids you know, I like the outdoors. Uh, I like hiking and recreational stuff and maybe a little bit of hunting, that sort of thing. Um, I'm interested in politics, uh, which I try to sort of keep out of my work a little bit, especially yeah. these days. Everyone's got a strong opinion about something. I'm just sort of a, an observer, I suppose. And um, yeah, you know, I do a little bit of charity work with uh, the, the uh, Camel's Pregnancy Care Centre okay. uh, here in town. I sit on the board there and um, yeah, that that's sort of what I do. So it, it's you know, I, it's, I'm in my industrious 30s, so I spend most of the time doing sort of work and family stuff, yeah. but um, if I had more time, I'd probably travel with the family a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I hear that. And it's it's tough in our careers too, right? Like uh, they're, they're very time consuming and we don't really get to, well, I guess as you get more established, you get to structure things, right? So you're that's able right. to spend more time that's with right. your family, but I know like the way I am, it's just work all the time. So it gets kind of crazy. <laughs> and,
1: and, and you know, really that's that's an awesome advantage for yeah. you. Um. That's sort of how it goes in our professions. If you're willing to really front end load the work, as they say, if you're really willing to put a lot of work in, in your earlier years, then you might have the flexibility to, you know, take the grandkids places or attend, you know, your kids graduations in the middle of the day or that that sort of stuff is possible if you do the work now. But there's no profession and there's no industry where... You can just enjoy a great work life balance, and you didn't have to put in any work at any point. You no. enjoy a great work life balance when you put in the work up front i I think anyway you have to earn it I you think, do
0: for for the most part the and that's the way it is with a lot of successful people. you know people look at it when when they're at when they achieve success and they think, "Oh well, that's easy, yeah, but you know they don't look at the story beforehand, and there's a lot of time and effort that goes into it
1: and when you like what you do
0: it's not that bad. It's Not
1: bad. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. I I love helping clients make great investment purchases, save a ton of money, you know, get the best mortgage possible and build their financial future. I love doing that.
0: Absolutely. And the other day is actually funny. I woke up in the morning and you know, my dog jumped in my bed and I'm cuddling my dog and we're just, I'm hanging out for a minute and I'm like, Oh, my first meeting is not until like eight o'clock today. And I thought, wow, that's awesome. So I, I was like, I get to hang out at home for a little bit. And I the, the thought that popped in my head was, I'm so friggin' lucky to be in the field that I'm in, that I actually love what I do. Right. That it's awesome. And I've never had that in any other kind right. of job. <laughs> <It's Right>.
1: like- <laughs> and, and the other side of the coin there is sometimes you're out till 11 o'clock at night writing offers and doing showings. Yeah. And, or a deal is coming down to the wire and needs to close. And, <laughs> yeah. and um, sometimes. That sounds
0: familiar. <laughs> no, I don't know what you're talking about.
1: Sometimes things go late. So, yeah. um, you know what? If you're, if you're actually making a difference in people's lives, um, yeah. it's easy to enjoy what you do.
0: Exactly. And on that note, I think we'll wrap it up and we'll try and make some more differences and some more lives today. If we can, um, James, it's been awesome chatting with you. It's always enlightening. I was learning something new. Um, I think we're gonna have to have you back. Cause there's more that I want to get to know about mortgages. I definitely have a few more questions, but for today we'll end on that note. And any outgoing remarks, you know,
1: not really. Thanks no. for having me. It was yeah. a, a real pleasure. I hope it wasn't too much like drinking from the fire hose. I get excited when I talk about mortgages. So sometimes I go really into the details, but, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, It's a very interesting time in, uh, obviously in the world today, but also directly affected is, is real estate and mortgages. So now more than ever, you really need an expert on your side. I can't imagine with how financial markets are now, someone just walking in and Taking the first mortgage their bank offers. That's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, thanks again for having me. I uh, look forward to doing it again sometime and uh, appreciate the, the Awesome. All right.
0: That's us signing off. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in today. If you like what you heard, show me some love on social media. If you know of anyone that we should feature here on the podcast, hit me up. Or if you know anybody that's looking to buy or sell real estate, drop my name.